Welcome to Trek This Out, a Star Trek podcast. This week I'm joined by my co-host Suki. Oh, hello, hello. And Lindsay. Hello. And we're going to be discussing the season finale of Discovery Season 4, which was episode 13, Coming Home. And unfortunately, I really struggle to stop at Coming Home because I want to stay at Coming Home, Newcastle. <laughs> and start singing the song, um, which I'm sure Sucky's probably going to now drop in and make you all um, enjoy. I've all got a look for this. <laughs> and you will enjoy it. Um, will enjoy it. Kind of thoughts on the episode and just the general vibe for it as a season finale. Um, Lindsay, how are you feeling? Generally, much po- more positive than I anticipated I was going to. So yeah, I'm good. Sookie, are you are you warm, tempered, or? It, it was it was a good finale. It mouse exciting. Uh, yeah, I was I, I did enjoy the finale. So I'm going to say keep. I kept it short and sweet, Lindsay. There you go, Bob. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I'm I'm kind of feeling the same, and I'm feeling a pang of guilt because I, I feel like I've kind of I've been really mean every week. But actually, I watched the recap, and I was thinking, oh, this is better than I thought. And I feel as a finale, I think it did a really good job of pulling it together. Lindsay. Yeah, I think what you've just encapsulated there is something that we'll maybe talk about next week when we do our overview of the season. But I think the pacing hasn't been great this season. But actually, the plots, the character development, and certainly, hashtag spoilers, cameos, fantastic. Um, So I feel like I need to talk about this before I explode, because I was so blown away by it. I thought this might come up, um, and there were some very positive vibes there. Go on, Lindsay. I'm really bursting to talk about a certain guest appearance. Stacey motherfucking Abrams! Um, she came out of that shuttlecraft and I was like, no, no, they haven't. And they fucking had. It was delightful and the best possible left-wing liberal Trek moment of the last however long. Just amazing. See, I felt like, I don't know if I, I, I knew this was going to happen, but I know it being talked in that context of her being a, a Star Trek fan and, and that type of thing. Um, so I don't know if this has been kind of bandied around beforehand. Um, but I, I felt like I kind of, I didn't know it was going to happen, but I wasn't shocked when it did. No, me neither. Like, I knew she was a Star Trek fan, and I know that they have done things with Star Trek fans in the past. Like, Or, like, I know they've done things before. But it, I just wasn't expecting it. I don't know whether I had missed the chatter. Like, I had muted everything in the world before I saw it because I knew, like, it's the season finale, so everybody talks about it. So I had muted everything. But when I saw it, I was just, like, as soon as that door opened, I was, like, blown away. And it was amazing. Suki? Now, I I've no, I did not know who Stacey Abrams, except for uh, an episode appearance or a podcast appearance on David Tennant's podcast. Uh, so, so uh, then I knew that she was a Doctor Who fan, and she was like quite high up in politics in the states, United States. Uh, but I did not know who she was, and when she came through the door, I still don't, did not know who she was. Uh, it was only after googling and finding out that it was Stacey Abrams, and I thought, oh, this is the lady. And uh, yeah, it was a nice idea for Discovery uh, to be able to put her in. A uh, nice ending to the season. Uh, and I had no problem with it. I mean, she's a big Star Trek fan, big sci-fi think, fan. Basically. So, so for me, I think it was more than just a guest appearance because all of the chat that she then gave to Burnham about the fact that, you know, the hard work starts here is Stacey Abrams' message. Like, she should have been the governor of Georgia if it wasn't for the fact that there was deeply corrupt... Um, and complicated and controversial things that happened with with uh, voters and 
all of which was deeply embedded in, in racism and, and discrimination. Like there was a whole host of black voters whose votes, like it was just complicated, but she should have won that election fair and square. Um, and when she didn't, she went, well, you know what, the hard work starts here and we go for the next time and we make sure that the people who have the right to vote get the right to vote. And like all of that is just, A, it's amazing and B, it was discovery once again planting a stake in there you know what fuck off star trek is left-wing it is inclusive and it is representative and it is important that that's true and the fact that ted cruz has come out going oh my gosh what is this makes it all the sweeter i was gonna say i've quite enjoyed that it's it's irritated the demographic i enjoy them being irritated um and at the end, it's a cameo in a TV show and people are getting very, very aerated about it and very, very upset about it. And like, oh, Star Trek should not be political. And it's like, are we really back here again? Like, But it always has been. <laughs> like, I, I do not understand people who think that Star Trek has never been political because like, it sometimes, I think I understand sometimes when they get concerned about it being preachy and we'll that may or may not be discovered covered in the in the in our chat about Picard but it has always been political because it has always had a point of view and as soon as you have a point of view you are intrinsically political particularly when politics is as divided as it is currently like you cannot possibly argue or I struggle to understand how people argue that it's not political, that it is not left-leaning, that it is not inclusive and open and understanding and accepting and encouraging people to to realise that we all get better when everybody is given the opportunity to thrive. Yeah. I don't think there's any arguments on no. this podcast. Um, if you want to throw that grenade onto social media and, and um, <laughs> see what happens. But, but genuinely, like, you know, Republic, people who are still active members of the Republican Party, if by any small chance you were listening to this, do come back at me because I, I just don't understand how you think that the, the, the current Republican Party is in any way, even before, even if you exclude Discovery, or Picard or anything else you think is modern and not representative, how you could possibly argue that that, that Trek and, and that that style of politics align. Shall we just move on from that? Because we are going to get thousands of comments a bit later on from... Why from not? Why yeah, not? Let's, let's so I think for me, I think one of the things we were talking about last week was that lack of... We're not seeing what's happening at Navarre, we're not seeing what's happening at Earth, and that lack of tension, and they, they threw the kitchen sink at that aspect this week. Um, and for me, I think... Um, I think it was hats off to Tilly in this episode because I, I think we, we talked about the sort of character development. You look at the, her trajectory from season one to the person who was in this episode. Um, and I was sort of, I, I think when she was having that conversation with the Admiral, um, she really kind of, I found that quite emotional, that that scene really kind of cut me up. Um, and I think it, it just gave us those stakes. But I just think... I think she was fantastic and you could see it's the first time I've really looked at her and thought yep you're a leader now um, and, and I really liked that Lindsay yeah I th oh sorry Suki do you want to go no I was just going to agree with Andrea but it was all I also like to say that those scenes were also enhanced by the fact she had an acting partner in Vance as well uh Old Ed Fair right because the way the, the, the pair of them interacted and brought out the feelings in one another uh, and conveyed it to everybody watching right it was brilliant so that, those scenes came together because of the two not just uh mary wiseman uh it was mary wiseman and old ed fair go on Lynch. yeah i i was going to agree i think they've got the balance right like she's clearly still tilly and i don't doubt that the tilly of season one would have made that decision like I think Tilly would have been if she would if she had been on that station. I think Tilly would have done the same thing. I think she'd have been like, "Fuck it, no, I'm staying here to help." And I think, sorry, I'm just going to caveat this entire episode by the fact that I have been out for lunch and there has been booze. So the swearing is probably down to that. Um, but no, I think she she would have been there. She would have stayed, and. I, so I think that continuity is really important. I think the way in which she led, the cadets is that 
is that twist. I think she has felt more confident. I think she feels more grown up. And I love that. I will say that I wish that we'd seen more of it. I wish it had been given more space to breathe than it had all been thrown in the last episode. But yeah, no, I love that. And I love the fact that us having gone, we need to see some of this. They've then delivered it. I think that's that's a really good sign. I th- and I think it's a shame they didn't just drip that in over the last couple of episodes because I think for me that really tied that plot together because it did. I, I really liked that switch between what was happening through the barrier with the 10cc and a 10cc. I've done it again. <laughs> um, that, that's just going to stick now. Um, and what was happening on Earth and it did. It it just it just elevated that level of drama for me and it, it made that those stakes seem quite real um and I, th- I think that definitely massively improved the episode so I, w- I was really glad that they did that and I was getting concerned when we weren't going to because they said she was coming back and then it's like where's Tilly where's Tilly where's Tilly is she coming back or not and they like, say and, and it, I, I was really really happy sucky yeah we, well we were saying last week that we needed these sort of tensions these scenes that are called they create tension where we we sort of knew what was happening uh, back at Earth, uh, Navarre and Titan, right? And so that that they could sort of build it up, and to have it in the final episode, it's a welcome. It's definitely uh, needed for that episode to bring out all the excitement that we actually felt watching this episode. But it could, as Lindsay said, it should have been sort of drip fed, maybe through the series, right? Go on, Lindsay. So there are two observations that I think I made, particularly relating to this bit. It was I suddenly had this revelation that I think Discovery now has the broad, like the highest number of characters who feel like an intrinsic part of the series than any other type of Trek, possibly excluding DS9. I think maybe even DS9 though. So like if I started to list all of the characters who were integral to the season or who we feel are integral to Discovery and are integral to the season, it feels like it's got a cast of thousands. And I think that's one of the things they struggled with this season because the the season's particular characters and the breadth of the characters across the ship. And then you've got Admiral Vance and then you've got the president and then you've got Tarina and then you've got, you know, I mean, like there, there are all sorts of characters who have been given depth and have been given importance. But I think that's maybe one of the reasons why we've been struggling with feeling like we're not there are various people who are not getting enough screen time this year. Um, it's just that there's so many of them. But that also made me genuinely believe that there was a possibility that they were going to wipe out Vance and Tilly. Like, I genuinely thought there was a risk that they weren't going to make it out of there. And there was also, I felt that, that, that Book and um, Tark of the Otter were also at risk. Now, we'll come back to that because that's a whole other thing. But I gen- I genuinely felt that Tilly might well be killed off in this episode. Suki. Now, th- this is the thing I was wondering about. This is a high stakes uh, event that's happening. There's loads of death. And out of everything that's happened, only one semi-regular or recurring character for this season actually dies. Everybody else survives. And I just thought, OK, I mean, they sort of teased the fact that Book had died uh, and by the looks of it, Vance and Tilly were going to get killed off, but it never happened. And it's just, I, I thought maybe if they'd actually done something, made it a bit darker by actually killing off one of our regulars or semi-regulars, it would have just brought the peril and the drama to the screen a bit more. And you'd have just been there right away. But having the fact that nearly everybody survived, in fact, everybody survived, apart from Tarka, is just I, I thought that was a misstep. I think uh, who had their hands up first? I think you, Andrea. Um, at some point, it's a bit of a Doctor Who reference. At some point, I've just written down "Everybody Lives?" Question mark. Um, but Star Trek does that. How often do main casts get killed off in Star Trek? No matter what the levels of peril, like your your core cast tend to like survive. Um, I think where they probably missed a trick is. I get, I think there was an overarching sort of that self idea of self-sacrifice and redemption were quite big themes in the episode. Um, so I kind of get why why the general kind of said, no, I'll go in the shuttle, this is my fault. Um, but I think from a dramatic point of view, um, I think I would have preferred if it was somebody 
we knew a bit better and were a bit more invested in um and they they survived as well um and the thing was that you know book from the dead um i saw it coming i i'm not sure i totally disapprove it was kind of like a little gesture from the the 10c wasn't it like yeah we you know we've realized we've done a shitty thing and 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 killed all your mates so we've brought this one back for you we're trying to like make amends here um so i didn't i didn't totally disapprove but i I do kind of know where you're coming from but yeah there there was a bit of a and everybody i even thought tarka was going to live at one point so um but he kind of had to someone had to had to die didn't they to kind of make it make sense Lindsay, but we don't know that tarka died because the last time we saw Tarka, he was gripping onto his little transportation device and claiming that there might be enough energy in the explosion of the shuttle to take him off to where he needed to go. I think for me, so I also saw, like, I think we talked about how much we hoped, like, we talked about we thought the fact that Book had to die in the last episode. And the reason we talked about that was because we saw this coming. Um, and particularly as soon as he transported out and then didn't transport onto the bridge, I was like, well, clearly that's a thing. Like somebody's going to re- resurrect and whether it's the 10 CZ or whether it's Stamets, like it's happening. Um, I'm really frustrated by that. I am so frustrated by that because he's now doing community service. <laughs> yeah. Like, Fuck you, motherfucker. You literally, you stole tech. You went out. You killed. Oh, I'm so, I'm so grumpy about that. Um, I am, can I just say I'm loving boozy sweary Lindsay at the moment. <laughs> rage, all about the rage. Um, so yeah, I, like I am frustrated by that. I like I, I think it was a get out. I think I thought it was quite interesting. So when they burnt out the spore drive and they were like, "Oh, we're going to be stranded here," there was a bit of me that went, "Oh, interesting." And then it looked like they were going to kill off the two problematic characters because it looked like they were going to kill off Indoya and book and I was like well actually that kind of makes sense because you take them out of the narrative and then you have a core cast that is stuck somewhere that's going to take a long time to get home now I never thought they were going to do discovery and give us another seven seasons of trying to get home but like I thought you know they might find the the spore drive on book ship like you know I mean there's all sorts of possible alternatives that might that might get them there but yeah I just it feels like a get out I'm I was so frustrated I, w- I was really frustrated by that. And I I don't like the way that it ended. I don't like the community service. I don't think it's acceptable or appropriate. Uh, Andrea? Well, I, I did kind of, I have written at some point, like, Book really can't just go back to regular life. He has to go to prison. Uh, and that's clearly not a thing. He's just going yep. off his cat to, like, do nice things. But uh, but it's the argument there that the, 30, or the 32nd century or wherever we are now, because I keep losing track, is it that, because even now we know prison doesn't work. Like, we know in the 24th century they do prison because Tom Paris comes out of prison to go and help Voyager, but prison doesn't work. So therefore, surely by the 32nd century, we should have moved past it. But community service feels like a really dodgy get out. Yeah, it's just going to help some people for a bit. It's all right. You just nearly, like, ended the universe. (laughs) And he's he's clearly still in a relationship with Burnham. So are we going to get him next season? Like, I'd... I'd, Oh, I think saying. they've left it open-ended, haven't they? Because I don't know if they know if they can get him back or whatever. So I think they've had to kind of write that quite vaguely, probably for casting reasons. Well, if um, he's going to get cast as Bond, then yeah, he's probably going to have better things to do. I, I do <laughs> feel like they, they almost teased the Voyager situation, which is how I've, I've recorded it in my notes. It was like, oh, it's going to take us decades to get home. And it was like, oh, I've heard that before. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, we've had this conversation before, yeah. haven't we? I, I thought that was going to be an interesting thing for next season, but then just because they brought that worm out, and I was like, okay, so they've, they've reckoned in them, themselves within the same episode. Not reckoned. They've just changed their minds within the same episode and decided not to do it. But I thought that would have been an interesting way. Um, the, as semi-regular, Rick, Endoya could have been killed off easily with Tarka. Yeah. There, there is... There's no reason to have kept it alive. I'm I'm really frustrated. I'm really frustrated. Particularly if you look at Discovery as an era of Star Trek that started being brutal with its main characters or who we thought were main characters. Like they killed off they killed off um Giorgio, they killed off Lorca, they killed like like in fact in that first season we've lost more characters than we've probably lost in any other season of Voyage uh, Voyager of Star Trek at all. Landry got killed, didn't she? And she did. Um, 
Yeah, it was very it was very much kind of positioned itself. It's like, oh, it's going to be like Game of Thrones. You don't know who's going to die. Um, and when you've got a cast of thousands, because like as genuinely somebody somebody call me out if they think they're wrong, but I genuinely think there are more named recurring characters that we are seeing consistently in Discovery than any other track. It does seem like there's a lot of people in that mix and people don't get because it's just little things like, oh, look, there's Stamets doing some science stuff. I've missed that. Where's that been? Like, and, and it, it was just thought of those kind of, well, we get those snippets of that, but we don't well, get a lot of any of it. Well, there's at least, I think, 12 of them on the ship. And that's before you get to Trina and Ndoya and Vance and like there's there's just this huge cast and I don't know who I would cut out because I quite like them all <laughs> but it, it, it is the struggle and I saw somebody on Twitter saying you know they showed, showed a picture of the bridge cast and like the problem with Discovery is I can only name two of these people and I'm like well you're clearly not paying enough attention because I can name at least six of those seven people and I might not get them all entirely right but I know who they are and I know enough about them to feel like they're valued characters that I want to know more about. So just kind of just kind of sort of moving to a slightly different thing, but what did we think of the 10C when we kind of saw them in all their pomp? No. I I thought they looked really great. I did you know they're not going to be I did think they were going to be small, you know, human like creatures, but see them they they needed to be big, massive uh, in my mind, before we actually saw them, I thought they were going to be big, massive, uh, glowing sort of creatures. And what happens? They're big, massive, glowing sort of creatures. And I, they just filled out my what what I thought the 10C were going to be. And I thought they would look absolutely great. The only thing I didn't like about it was the fact that Burnham brought the whole crew or the whole bridge crew down with them to the uh, to the uh, the planet. Yeah. But anyway, what do you guys think? That that moment of oh everybody needs to be here for this. I was like, oh Burnham, really, really. Like I get it, and I get that that's them trying to give us more of the characters that we're telling them that we want more of. But yeah, that wasn't fantastic. Um, two things: one, hairy giant hanging testicles were quite <laughs> distracting. Like hey? those, like there was these like testicular things hanging in the foreground oh. that I didn't really understand. Okay, but, right. Last week I I saw the the Borg Queen's breasts and you day see them. This <laughs> week you guys are seeing testicles, right? And I day see them. So have we got some sort of thing? Uh, well, maybe I'm, it's I'm just gonna, me, Andrew. Did you see These are my tentacles of, of thinness extending to everybody. <laughs> it happens over time. It's just like a. It happens by osmosis. You don't even realise it's happening. Um, it's, I don't know I if might have been the only one to spot them, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's familiar with the world's end, but I've written, why don't you just fuck off your big lamp? <laughs> Which is what Gary King says to the aliens at the end of that. Um, so, yeah, it was a big, flashy, glowy thing. Um, but I'm pleased they didn't just... And I'm pleased it didn't, like, sort of take their form to have a chat with them, which normally happens, doesn't it? Like, oh, it's, it's took a form we're familiar with so it can, like, you know, come down and speak with us. They, they kind of maintain that this is how they communicate, this is how we need to communicate with each other. Um, and it's probably an underdone thing in Star Trek, isn't it? Like, to have a, a species that is completely alien. Um, there's usually some degree of, you know, they, they're normally kind of our size and, and pretty much our form and they live in buildings and, you know, we, we can translate their words pretty quickly. Um, so at least they haven't done the obvious and they've done. And I think it was it was quite a good first contact story. And it, it, I was quite happy with that. Lindsay. Yeah, I think you're right. I think. I, I'm a little I'm a little bit frustrated by the fact we went from, oh, we can't. We can't translate the nuance of they've gone off on their own to do their own thing or like, you know, they've rebelled or whatever, which was what they were trying to communicate when Book and Tarka were attacking the, the DMA's power source. Um, but as soon as they then get there in person, so they're like translating really complicated thoughts. Like once they get past that, we are one, but we are many thing. He's basically translating really deep things. Um, yes. And we also have to talk about the fact that they just let Book ad-lib 
And I'm like, guys, have a chat. Write a script that you're happy for book. Like, I, I don't think it was inappropriate for him to be able to communicate with him. And I think there was a value in that. But the idea that, that, that Saru was just typing what book said, I was like, guys, like, he's still... We've been here before. There's a reason why the father of raped women are not allowed to to convict the rapist. Like, there's a reason why these things don't happen. Because nobody should expect people who are personally affected by a crime to be reasonable in response to it. And Book is in that position, that he should be heard, but there needs to be a translator and intermediary there somewhere to to to, to manage that yeah and he just he gives a great speech and or he gives a speech <laughs> and and it kind of just goes out unedited with no kind of interface or intermediary he was surprisingly reasonable considering like he didn't say fuck off your big lump, which like he was, <laughs> true, he was true. his rights to say, wasn't he? Really, like it, being in his his shoes, it it was a pretty tempered. And there were quite a lot of big speeches at the end of the episode, and it I kind of certainly when I saw the third Lord of the Rings film, I, yes. I was there thinking, oh, it's finished now, and, and like yeah. I can get up and leave the cinema. No, no, it's not. There's another scene, and then it's like, no, it's finished now. No, there's another scene, and it and it did have that kind of like. I don't want to say when's it going to end, but it it did feel like it, it it had those kind of chunks at the end to tie it up. And I was thinking, right, that's the last bit. Oh, no, it's not the last bit. They're going to do another bit. Oh, they're going to do another bit. They're going to do another bit. So it it, it did feel like they, they were very conscious of, of wrapping up all of those loose ends. Um, but I do feel it, it was tied up. So whatever comes next isn't carrying lots of, I don't want to say baggage, but... It feels like that story's done, um, and there's not. It's they're not sort of starting off in the shit in a different time period, or like it. It, it feels very much like they've got a blank slate for the next. And I don't want to talk too much about the season overall, but I think it it it, it ended quite neatly in a lot of ways. Didn't Like they they wanted us to believe that, particularly because we then got us a. Uh, a sentence at the end saying, oh yeah, we're monitoring the subspace stuff and they're totally sticking by their rules. So I think like that was designed to make us think that that is this resolved, like we're not going to see them not sticking by the agreement. And I'm, I think what I struggle with is this idea that we've just gone away and left the 10C. Like surely like a continued and ongoing relationship with a species so different would be really valuable. And there's no indication that, you know, they're going to send an ambassador, they're going to send a ship back to continue discussions with them, to to build bonds and to to bring them into um, collaboration or friendship with the Federation, even if not the Federation proper. And I... They, they can do that, they can't they? But when Discovery had to get to, through the Galactic Barrier and then beyond, that, that, that was an effort that took them a while to get there and do it. But now that the DMA uh, corridor that they had, the wormhole corridor, it can still be available, and which is not going to uh, be using it. They're not going to be using it to um, take power from whatever or energy that they needed. They can actually still put a DMA wormhole power thing, power, uh, wormhole through, uh, and still be able to send stuff through to be able to communicate with the Federation. Don't you think? No, I, I got the impression that was a one time, like, oh, they're using it one more time to, like, open up this wormhole so we can go home. So I got the impression that was a one time thing, like, we're going to send you home because we're nice like that. Um, but, like, yeah, fuck off and, and we'll, we're, like, we're sorry, but we're going to just do our own thing in our bubble here. But the whole thing with that DMA was to create, uh, get energy to be able to keep that bubble that around their three gas joints, uh, the, the, the planets that they got around this pl- uh, sun. Right, and keep them within this bubble thing that they've got. But now that they took the bubble away, they don't need that much power. So hopefully they will then use whatever technology they've got to be able to send the DMAs through to whichever empty part of it. They can send it to Earth as well to be able to communicate with it, with the Earth Federation. Well, that's what I've got. I'm thinking. 
but I, I think I would have. So rather than them giving us a sentence to stay, oh, we've been monitoring the subspace communicate, like whatever they've been monitoring, and they haven't gone back to using the DMA. I would rather have had, oh, we've sent this ship out. It's going to take a while to get there, but we're going to build or like, because again, we had hopefully we've got the blueprints to to whatever Tarka was doing with the spore drive. Like, I would rather that they'd sent somebody. Like, there was an, a reference to or we're going to leave a shuttle here with a couple of people to start building a, a, a whatever. Like, I, I just, I, that feels more open and more Star Trek than being like, ah, oh, well, we've done this thing and it looks like they're not going to be bad guys again, so it'll be fine. Yay! I think they could, I think they could probably deal with it. There'll probably be a little throwaway line at some point in the next season about, like, such and such a ship's gone to, like, gone on some mission to to talk to the ten, say, just one say. Got the right yeah. number of seas. <laughs> the, the, the thing as well, though, I mean, we might not have seen that scene where they've actually says, look, we know what's happened and we we would like to open up diplomatic communications with you, but at your own pace, right? So we're now going to leave. If you send us back, you send us back. But then we, we will uh, uh, leave it in your hands to be able to communicate with us again. So this might be something that they've just left a message with them saying, look, communicate with us, we'll be here for you or whatever, and we'll be able to exchange cultural ideas, medicine, uh, power energy, whatever. Yeah, and I think I don't, I don't, like, this is not a, like, a, it's not a massive feeling, so we don't need to move on. It, I think it's just about how you, how you leave things. And I think I wasn't, I had mixed feelings about the idea that they were going to be stranded. I have to admit, like I thought, but I thought the idea of them being stranded, them having managed to kill off Indoya and Book, like, you know, that was the, the, the problematic characters. Like you wouldn't have known what to do with those, but if those had been killed off, they could have killed off Tilly and Vance and that would have been a thing. Like that, that and I think that's the value in how they've played it because it felt like that was something that they might have done is leave them in that space without those particular people and we could have we could have seen what happened but they're back um, and obviously the federation is growing so we shall see okay well the thing about killing off characters until you had two of the cadets with her that would have given us a bit more uh heightened uh, tension uh peril whatever by just you know having these two recurring these two characters that we'd seen earlier in both of them being killed off or a spaceship that's suddenly leaving. Um, we, that would have been a thing of a, an, an actual character being killed off. We're very um, bloodthirsty this week. Like, well, we are. We so are. Death, kill people. Death, kill people. Let's <laughs> take a slight a slight left turn. Um, how beautiful is that? Um, whatever the, was it the station or the ship or whatever it was they moved to Earth. It's beautiful. I love that. And I kind of like the idea that it was a composite of like the different levels were basically a ship of their own rights. So that like once they reached capacity, they could be like undocked and sent off. I quite like that as a concept. I don't know how practical it would be, but I quite liked it as a concept. I think um, visually, though, I think there was quite a lot of in the episode. I know we've sort of been mourned over the season that like it looks a little bit creep. Um, the flamethrowers were back. Rich. <laughs> um yeah, there were there were some some interesting looking effects um on the ship. Um but I do think there were there were some quite nice little sequences in space and some bits that I thought looked quite good. Um which I've kind of missed. And I definitely agree that that space station y thing, it did look it looked very I want to say futuristic, which sounds daft as everything in Star Trek is meant to look futuristic, but it looks, it's that leap in time, isn't it? And and it looked it, um, which I think was quite important. So, so I, yeah, I, I kind of agree that looked quite good. Um, I think my favourite reference, though, was obviously the, the reference to the USS Mitchell, um, which made me very, very happy. Um, and, and I can say from first hand, hand experience that Ken Mitchell is a really, really lovely man um, and, and is very much a part of that Star Trek family. Um, and I was very, very, very pleased that he's he's got a ship. Um, so he's, he's kind of made it into this season because he's been in, in all the previous 
um, iterations of Discovery, and it was like, oh, there's no Ken this time, but they've, they've managed to like make sure there's at least that reference. So, so I did like that very much. They did a really good job. I think we got the USS Mitchell, we got the USS Nog, um, and there was a ship that I would yeah. bet good money was the Voyager, um, or at least it looked very much like a classic Voyager. Um, and was... Voyager got a name check as well. Um, there was a ship called Yelchin as well. Mm. And I think, like, that, as much as we want, I know that some people get frustrated about the grandstanding and the sentimentalism and the preaching sometimes in, in contemporary Trek, although I don't think it's, it's, I don't think in any way it only happens in contemporary Trek. The one with the whales, I'm just going to point out the one with the whales, it was deeply... <laughs> deeply preachy um I, I think it does it really well and I love it I love seeing those things and I think it just reiterates the fact that it's a family like it's about those relationships and it's about you know I retweeted something today which was a picture of Kate Mulgrew at a Star Trek Prodigy event and she looked epic she looked really smart she looked great and my response to that was look I want to see this Janeway <laughs> like I want to see a real life age appropriate Janeway <laughs> and all of those things are so tied up and so important that I think yeah it does it well sometimes and I love it I, like I love that about Star Trek and I love that about this reiteration of Star Trek and how important it is so the other thing that I'm I was really aware of was at the end of the episode there was a a, a card that came up um saying that this was I think the the card reads uh, for April with love and you often see these things at the end of, of a series or at the end of an episode and you don't always understand what they are. Like sometimes it's obvious. So like, you know, when Leonard Nimmo died and they released the the um the film and there was like a little moment in the film that was clearly about the fact that Spock had passed away. Like sometimes it is in situ and it makes sense, or sometimes you see it and you understand why it's happened, and sometimes you don't. And I think this is a really good example of where somebody who was working behind the scenes meant so much to the production, and this was just a moment for them to acknowledge that. Um, so I came across a tweet from a guy called Chad Rubel um, about the fact that April was in the post-production department. Uh, so she ran the post-production department um, and he he was managed by her. Um, and in his opinion, the only reason that season three Discovery happened when the pandemic hit was because of this woman. Um, and he talks about how important she was to that process of the fact that, you know, they brought them all in like the last day before lockdown and they all thought they were about or significant numbers of them thought they were about to lose their jobs. And actually they came out of that meeting with a plan. And that they made it work and they delivered this thing and she was such an important part of that. And for me, this idea that that she was acknowledged in this really like important way at the end of a season is is just again, it's, it's that. Star Trek is family and everything is lovely and fluffy moment. I think if you don't follow Chad on social media as well, um, I think he's great. Um, he's very happy to interact with fans. Um, I've seen him calling out some bad guys. Um, he's really worth a follow um, on Twitter. Um, so I would, I would recommend that if you don't already. Yeah, definitely worth definitely worth a follow and definitely worth... It's always interesting. Like we joke, we we tease Suki for being the master of all knowledge because some of us are less well versed in who who directed a thing and who who produced it and what the crossovers are. But all of these things are important, and and they may be your favourite bit about it or not. But it's worth acknowledging, I think sometimes. I think I I need to talk about Saru's little um little romance romance B plot. Um, because I feel that's something they have kind of done a good job of dripping in as the season's gone on. Um, because I, I think sometimes they kind of don't mention something and then it's the most important thing in the world. Um, or sometimes they kind of feel like they're dripping something in and it goes nowhere. But I think they've done a really good job of kind of just just feeding that into each episode. Um, and I thought it was it was self-written or bless Saru, he's getting all protective of his lass. Um, which I thought was quite sweet. And I thought it was very cute seeing them like with the flowers at the end. And I quite like that in the little handholdy bit. I quite like that little relationship. So <clears throat> I've enjoyed watching that develop, I think. And they, they've kind of 
they've left that in a nice place, which I'm very pleased about. The thing, it's a great romance. It's lovely. It's fantastic. And the way the two actors interacted with each other and got it believable that an interspecies relationship can exist and will carry on forward. It's great. But the fact, the practicalities is, Saru is a commanding officer on a starship and she's the president of the planet. Uh, and how are they actually going to be having some sort of, a, is this going to be some sort of long distance relationship? Go on, Linz. So he's not a commanding officer. Well, he's not, he, he's one of two captains, but he's not the captain in charge. Um, and I think I'd be really surprised if they continued that into the next season. I think we get Tilly back and I think Saru takes a position at Starfleet or at the Academy or somewhere. Like you can't continue with two captains on the same ship. It just doesn't make sense. And Burnham has said again she doesn't want Voyager, which is fine, but I think they have to do something. Um and I think that would make sense. Like I think they could they could they could do something with Saru based at headquarters or at the Vulcan Science Institute or or the Navarre Science Institute. Um or something and work it that way. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. So we we could end up losing Doug Jones as Saru as no, a regular I don't think, character. What define regular? I think that's I think that's the issue with Discovery. Like we've now got to the point whereby season regulars don't appear every episode. I, I yeah, I wouldn't be like I they can't they cannot have the multitude of characters they currently have in every episode. And they can't even have them all in Discovery. It doesn't make any sense. I think the issue is when you've got 26 episodes in a season, it's really easy to give someone their episode at some point over that run. When you've yeah. got 13 and an overarching kind of story arc to get through, it's quite difficult. There isn't that space for, for that, like, sort and of we know that, And we know that all of the series are going to 10 episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next season, um, it's, it's maybe worth acknowledging that this episode was almost exactly an hour, and we'll talk about this uh, in relation to Picard. But it's almost like they went, Well, you usually get 55 minutes ish, and normally you've got 55 minutes ish across two episodes, but this week you're gonna get an hour in one and 45 minutes in another. But the, um, there might also be down to the fact that they had the Lord of the Rings all good boys, didn't they? At the end, you know, add a little, add a few minutes on, add a few minutes on. There was def- it was it was a longer episode than usual, but I totally take your point. I think it is really hard to give everybody their episodes, and with a broadcast who we keep telling them that we want to see more of, it's really difficult. So the other thing that I think is really interesting in relation to that balance and how you manage it is that I had this revelation when Book was giving his soliloquy to the Ten uh, C, is that this episode the plot arc has belonged to Book. It has been his season. Mm-hmm. And he's not technically one of what we would normally consider to be the main cast. And that's the challenge. Like, they keep introducing these secondary secondary characters who then are amazing. Like, um, Jet Reno is a secondary character who is amazing. And I would love to see an entire season built around. But actually... And I, I think that's, it's not a struggle. It's not the end of the world, but it does impact on how we then see the rest of the characters and how much of the rest of the characters we get to see, which is maybe something we should talk about more when we talk about the season in general. Um, but that, that that thought definitely occurred to me at some point in this episode was that this was the end of an arc that has absolutely driven this episode, this season. Will we see him again next season, do you think? I'd be really surprised if they wrote them off off-season, but could be wrong. I think they've left the door open for at least a, the odd appearance here and there, if it's possible. Uh, I think they've definitely left it ajar because they're thinking, well, you might not be able to commit to be in every episode, but, you know, you could crop up and say hi because you, your girlfriend's still aboard. Um, I think just going back to that sort of um, little Saru storyline, if she could mind meld with the 10C and they had no idea how to communicate and they were panicking why didn't they try that to start with um 
it's like yeah you've kind of sat on that information for a really long time and then just like touched the window and gone oh I'm going to do a mind meld um yeah that that felt a little bit frustrating to me and also I quite like a trippy mind meld scene and they kind of teased it and then didn't give us one um so I was a little bit disappointed by that Lindsay I can see the mind meld as as uh <laughs> as sparked, handheld but... gesture mind meld I love a mind meld and I love a no you shouldn't mind meld because those are what they always are like and particularly having watched Voyager I think there's often the case of oh you shouldn't really but Tuvok's gonna do it anyway um I think you're right I had the same thought I was like really did this not come up in conversation before maybe they're psychic um, and I think either we needed more background to how much Navarre culture has changed and like you know how do they feel about mind meld, mind melds with other races? Is that something that they have ceased to do because it so often ends so badly? Um, is there a reason why that wasn't a thing? If they're going to do it, can you at least have a medical officer standing by, please? Because like even the doctor, like in Voyager, like and this is one of the things that it does happen a, a couple of times over the episodes that we've seen this week in general, is that I'm like, oh, there's knowledge here that somebody should know and somebody should have access to. So, like, in this instance, it's that, you know, the EMH discovered early on that if you're going to mind meld, I need to at least put, like, a monitor on you so I can see what's going on. Like, and there was none of that. Like, I totally get, right, we're going to do this thing, let's do it quickly. But given they literally transport everywhere on this ship, it would have taken, like, two minutes to have a medical officer there to shove, like, some kind of cortical monitor on them. Um, I did quite like the actual moment, though. I liked the nosebleed. I liked the distress. I liked everybody being like, oh, we need to, like, break in. Um, but that's because I love medically angsty drama. So <laughs> I, I think I'm reaching a point where my me, me sensible points are starting to dry up. But um, I was pleased to see Nielsen's wig um, getting its, uh, <laughs> its finale appearance. Um, yeah, I was just, hold, on, hold, hold on, Andrea. Is that actually a wig? Yeah, it's, it's it's really, it's, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you could, I, I can't see myself. Yes. Have, you know what I have to do? What's the name of the actress? Um, no idea. Okay, Sarah, well, Sarah, well, I'll, I'll Google the actress, see if I can find a, Sarah, a proper Sarah picture. Bitch, isn't it? Yeah, um, find a proper picture, see if there's yeah, anything. It's a, it's a bad, bad wig. Um, I felt at the end there was a Ferengi bartender, which almost felt like a stereotype. It was like, ooh, you know, even in the even in the, this extra progressive time, they've still got the Ferengi behind the bar. Um, but I'm quite glad to see those massive flaming sambukas still on the go. Um, I'm pleased, like some some bar staples are, are still being enjoyed. Um, and I did, I quite liked the little bar scene where everyone was just like having a nice time and having a hug. Because um, I don't think we see enough of that people just being social um it's something i like about deep space nine that they kind of go to the bar and and you, you get to see that Lindsay, um they were drinking iron brew there was literally nothing on the planet or in the galaxy that looks that color of orange except iron brew and i was like oh <laughs> several people had it in their glasses and i was like Iron Brew is an underrated mixer, so I think if more people are tapping onto that, then like all for the better. I, I, all I'm gonna say is Iron Brew is lethal. It's like I I can't drink. Oh, I don't know. They might have changed it since I was a child, but I genuinely couldn't drink it as a child. It's had me absolutely loopy. It's got so much stuff in it. A, a vodka Iron Brew. I can highly recommend, listeners. Um, I just I had to go all the way to Tenerife to discover that. Um, <laughs> Do you need me to smuggle you something below the border? Well, I just, I found myself in it. Was it Tenerife? It might have been Benidorm. I might be lying. I found myself in a Scottish bar and they were like, I was like, there was a lot of people drinking Iron Brew. And I was like, yeah, go on then. When in Rome. Um, <laughs> when in Spain. When in Spain. In Scottish bar. Um, so, yes, I, I can recommend that as a... Um, Suki, have you got any more points to... I, I have no exact actual points left there because most of it's all been discussed. Lindsay, have you got any more points to add? Um, one or two. So I think there were some characters that were underserved in this episode. Like I think Adira didn't really get a look in, I think. I get what they were trying to do, but the idea that um, Culber um, 
would choose not to go on an away mission when like ordered to effectively to hang out with his fam because other things had happened I think was was a bit of dodge like this transport people directly to the bridge no transport them to sick bay like I just I don't get this whole oh let's pull them directly to the bridge just in case and like that particularly felt like such a big build up to what then happened um, I've said before that I was quite frustrated by this resurrection moment. I don't think it was necessary. And I think that's what frustrates me. Like, I don't think this episode really needed it. Like, I think I think Burnham could have given the speech about what was lost and that that's not enough. And I think it would have been fine. Um, yeah. I, I think most of my frustrations with this episode come from the fact that they were trying to give more people screen time and they just didn't really manage to do that perhaps in as effectively it might have been. Um, I also love the fact that Vance has two hip flasks with him. Like that felt like a very <laughs> COVID measures thing. Like I think in any other world he would have had one hip flask and just passed it back and they would have just passed it back and forth. <laughs> do, do you think he just popped over to a replicator and just got give me two hip flasks? Maybe, maybe. Um, which feels like, a, why Why have a hip flask and why not just replicate a glass of whiskey? Because <laughs> everybody knows that you can put rubbish booze into a hip flask because it all comes out tasting of hip flask. So <laughs> um, the only time I ever drink whiskey is like when you're at the rugby and somebody hands you a, a, a hip flask. Um, not that I'm recommending drinking unknown alcohol from strangers. Um I would, to be fair. I'd probably like yeah, freebies. Um, Until you have drunk unknown mixes of things out of platypus backpacks. Says a boozy one on the podcast at the moment. Indeed, indeed. Um, so yeah, I think I think that was a shame, and I think I don't know if it was just me, but the cadets felt quite. I thought they were quite realised, and I felt like the actors did a good job in the episode where they were really primarily primarily involved but they felt really robotic in those scenes where they were coming up to give like updates to Vance and things and I don't know if that's a measure of how it was recorded maybe they were on their own and they were doing it like without anybody to play against or something but they felt um particularly the um pig man <laughs> was that right yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I might edit it in later. <laughs> yeah, you know the that that pig race guy, <laughs> not the not the Orion, the other not one. the green kid, the not pig. the green kid, the one. Oh, this is really irritating. Tellurian. Tellurian, yeah. No, that's not right. Is it? Oh, it? Tellurite. No, yeah. No. Yeah. Is he a Tellurite? Maybe. Anyway. Um. So yeah, he felt particularly kind of wooden, which I hadn't noticed in the primary episode that they were involved in. So I don't know what that was about. But yeah, I definitely I was I was more favourably impressed by this episode than I might have been. But some of that was probably down to Stacey Abrams appearing like some kind of vision in the last few minutes. So I think that's all of our um, thoughts and ideas exhausted. I think it's about time we found out what you lot thought of the, the episode. Um, so let's have some listeners feedback. First, we have our lovely Deb. Um, so she's saying, I haven't had a chance to rewatch or watch Picard, and I'm now off to get to the bus of the So, brief thoughts. Poor show, Deborah. Poor show. Um, never mind the Stacey Abrams cameo. What about the USS Mitchell NCC 325027 best ship ever? Uh, the episode was so affirming of the values of Trek. Who knew that the principles of equality, individuality, and respect were far left, though? Twitter does. Yes, yes, it does, Deborah. Um, it was odd to see the 10cc uh, threat gone and then the episode continue. I was waiting for something exciting to happen that would set up the next series. I didn't recognise Stacey, but know her name. I cheered and was very happy, but not sure on reflection if it was a good idea. Not that I care about alienating haters, but we need to focus on the future. And it broke the fourth wall a bit and was a bit weird for the many who didn't know who she is. Great women, though. I hope they know now. Plus, it distracts from the episode a bit. Evidence. And I've run out of time now and not mentioned Saru. 
Thank you, Deborah. I, like all I would say in response to that is that we have a history of of cameos in Star Trek. And if you didn't know who she was, like I've spoken to some folk who genuinely didn't know who she was and hadn't noticed there was something weird going on. Um, but we've had May. Is it May? What's her name? That's awful. May Phillips, the astronaut, appeared in TNG. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I know. I know there was an astronaut, but I can't remember the name. Um. Like this is not a new thing for Star Trek. Was there some King of Jordan or something? Oh yeah, that like that's a, that's a, yeah. There was a Prince of Jordan appeared in Voyager, but we'll move swiftly past that. Um, but it's not like I I don't know why it breaks anything. And for those who hate it, meh. Is all I'm gonna say. Um, meh. Right. So I've got Jack McMorrow who um says the upper site of my secondary school was called the Wiseman site, a school which had a Star Trek club. Mary Wiseman's character has the same first name as my nan. Coincidence? Yes. So, the politics bit. Bear in mind I have a master's degree in United States history and politics. Let's start with the ultimate plus point. Stacey Abrams is the president of Earth. Stacey Abrams is the Democrat running for governor of Georgia on November the 8th, 2022, and helps massively to undo gerrymandering by getting many potentially disenfranchised people registered to vote. All the lights for that. If that wasn't enough, there's Ted Cruz, Senator from Texas, and the human form of, clog, of a clogged up U-bend under the loo. He saw that and immediately started being an awful mongy git about it on Twitter. Discovery has cost millions over four seasons, but that alone was worth, more than worth it. End of all politics. As they have the neurological disability ataxia, which is broadly similar to ALS, the USS Mitchell is undoubtedly named in honour of Ken Mitchell. He played four Klingons and a human on Discovery. He is now confined to a wheelchair and his vocal ability is next to non-existent now. I had to pause the show and to wipe the tears from my eyes when I heard this beautiful little nod. Also gets lights. Sylvia Tilly's back. Happy dance time. Is, is Discovery going to be the new Voyager now they're going decades from home? Mm, that's a bit left of field as if it happens. So it was also unfortunate we got telegraphed this wouldn't happen. Speaking of telegraphed, when book fails to materialise, first I said, don't save Tarkin instead. I immediately knew he'd been back by the end of the episode. Yes, David's my pick for the next James Bond, so it makes sense book is wrapped up before he starts being in high demand and can charge more. But that... Death followed by Michael being mortified and suddenly getting over it. There's been a Starfleet captain, then there's undermining this potential huge point in the season. Despite this, I cannot massively fault the rock-solid acting by each cast member. Overall, I found this season still strong, but probably the weakest of Discovery's four. Having said that, this episode was a very good example of the importance of making the effort to learn to communicate with each other. Four USS Mitchells out of five. Although, if I add Abrams and the USS Mitchell, it's about a billion out of five. <laughs> I think that's fair. Uh, so we've now got Dave from the Doctor Who Show. And he says, uh, the first 35 minutes of this was amazing. Lots of excitement, adventure and really wild things going on. <laughs> Talk of the Otter's actions and Buck's death was a perfect moment. I was ready to give it five lights. Sadly, in the last part, I was sighing more than I was enjoying as a novel, I think the plot with the 10C would have worked really well. However, while visual, whilst visually impressive, I found the conclusion forced with lots of long speeches I struggled to believe could have been translated that easily. And as I feared, the whole season arc was just a bit of misunderstanding. Whoops. I can only give the last 25 minutes two lights, meaning the whole episode comes to 3.75 lights. Pretty good. Should have been better. Uh, once again, uh, the president was the most irritating character, but then I realised realized every Federation president <laughs> in Trek has been pretty useless. Uh, cheers for that, David. Um, I've got the ghastly librarian. So this season is as it's up and downs, and I wasn't always sure they'd be able to wrap everything up and get the season to a satisfying conclusion in this, fina oh, sorry, in this finale episode. That said... Once again, they managed to pull it off. I really thought this was the end of book, and while I didn't love it, I could have lived with it. Truth be told, I much prefer to see consequences on screen rather than redemption through death. And community service feels like an appropriate consequence. Mm. <laughs> At least he has Queen Grudge along. Good riddance to Tarka. Yeah, community service, and you get to bring your pet. This is not punishment. <laughs> Maybe punishment's not what we're aiming for in the future. Worth noting. Anyway, um, 
I could get used to these finales that don't leave the crew or the universe in peril, but I do hope we get a proper big bad next season. I know this season didn't do it for everyone, but this episode gets five out of five last minute rescues from me um, and also four out of five stars for the season. Okay, before you continue, I'm going to do Bob. Right. <laughs> Back in the day, when Trip are you going to do dodgy accents? Yeah, dodgy accents. Back in the day when we first started, we for the regulars on Proctoru, whenever they left left comments, we do dodgy accents for them. So this is this is uh, from uh, Bob Fleming, uh, formerly of Trek This Out, and uh, is now uh, around the console Doctor Who podcast. And he says, "Season four has been a hard slog." Boring, bland, with all the characters making my teeth curl at times, even Saru. Strangely, though, I don't feel too disappointed, as it's just been different, and that's all right. I have half enjoyed it with some eye-rolling and tutting going on. I did enjoy how it ended, as it felt free or some baggage, which we haven't really had in this finale yet. I like the idea of a big complicated new life form, but it never seems to land in Star Trek, but it got close this time. It was alright. 2.5 lights for it all. Cheers, Bob. Dear Bob, please never write us anything ever again if Siggy is going to insist on reading it out in that particularly grating tone. I'll do another one for when he does, because he's left comments for Picard as well. Um, Moving swiftly on from from Mrs B from Essex or whoever it was, um, (laughs) Tom Turlow. um, If you're an avid Viz reader, that will mean even more to you. Um, So I've got Tom Turlow. Well, it's over. Let's all be grateful for that. As a finale, it was pretty good. It looked spectacular and everything was wrapped up. Slightly odd that the Vulcan mine melded with the 10C. Perhaps it would have helped if she'd done it a bit earlier. Tarka the Otter had a change of heart and does the right thing in the end. As does Buck and the United Earth General. All three behaved atrociously throughout and were essentially guilty of treason. But all is forgiven in modern Star Trek, so a slap on the wrist and that's it. It was quite funny to see Stacey Abrams as the president of Earth. If you know anything about US politics, it was quite an interesting cameo. Perhaps one day she might become president of somewhere a little more mundane in real life. Right, so this episode, 3.5 lights out of 5. Cheers, Tom. So I've got Open Pike. I absolutely loved it. It managed to balance out some of the doom and gloom of the first three seasons with some good old-fashioned Trek-style optimism, not to mention the strange new worlds they explored and the new life they so boldly sought. Trek is heck, 8.8 out of 10. Uh, We have David Paul Morgan, and he says, uh, I'll start with a score, four lights out of five for this last episode. That satisfied my desire for the loose ends to be tied up, so I'm more than happy. I'm glad that Tarka seemed to get his comeuppance and the book was reunited with Michael, even though they could have killed him off. Still too much are we going to survive this at the last minute, but we need to build the tension, I suppose. Great to see the Admiral and Tilly sharing a drink and bonded. It was good to see her in the final episode. I'm also glad that the Earth representative was able to redeem herself. The romance between Saru and Serena is absolutely beautiful, but am I the only one inquiring how it might get, you know, beyond mind-melding? I think a good good ending to a pretty good series. I hope they get a series five. Cheers for that, David. So I think uh, we have already discussed what may or may not happen. Um, that beautiful scene where they held hands and looked out into the distance. I was like, okay, that's fine. I could live with that as a, as a relationship kind of physicality monitor. I could live with that. Um, and I think we know that there is a season five, don't we? Yes, it's already been, I think they've already started filming it, though. Which is great. Fantastic. So I've got um, Blue Cat, who says this episode, maybe the whole season, was about being seen and heard for who you really are. Book's actions were finally seen by the 10C as founded in grief. And grief, as Reno said, makes us blind. Book saw past his own delusions and stopped buying into Tarka's delusions. The 10C see and understand humans to be a group of individuals. Stacey Abrams in her guest role was a delightful surprise. Ms. Abrams has worked for voting rights in Georgia, and that is about hearing the voice of the people. Um, can we get the 10C's own name for themselves, please? I think that's a good point, actually. Um, <laughs> 
Yes, we're just going to refer to them as those people from over there whom we have given an arbitrary uh, name to. Right, so that's your thoughts. I think it's time for our lights out of five. How many lights, you see? Four lights! I asked how many lights, you see? Um, I'm going to come to Lindsay first. Oh, this is really hard. Um, so for the episode, I'm going to maybe think four out of five, but because of Stacey Abrams and because of how much I loved it, 4.75. Ooh. Suki. Yes, uh, I'm going to just give it a four out of five. It's an enjoyable episode. Uh, and it's, I think it just sort of ran out of steam towards the end. Maybe not the Stacey Abrams uh, scenes, but it just sort of uh, meandered towards the end. So four out of five. I think I'm at a four as well. I think it's kind of, it's pulled the series back in a little bit for me. Um, and I know I've been like potentially super mean. I think maybe on reflection, I'll have slightly better scores from the episodes that went before. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going with a four. Um, and that's, that's, but that might be one of my best scores for the season, actually, <laughs> uh, when I think about it. But so... Um, I think that brings that brings our our season um, weekly reviews to a close. Um, next week we're going to do a a little recap and overview of season four for you all. Um, and don't forget to check out our um, our Picard podcasts, which are coming out weekly as well, because um, we're, we're we're inundated with Trek at the moment. Um, so that's um, that's goodbye from me and goodbye from Suki. Bye. And goodbye from Lindsay. Bye. Bye, all. Bye. Bye. <laughs> there you go. Started recording, and it's over to you, Andrea. Good to go. Hello and welcome to Trek This Out, a Star Trek review podcast. Um, I'm joined today by my guests. Oh, fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while since we had a fluff this early. I know. Right. You're on mute. You're on mute, darling. (laughs) Sorry. But, um... Oh, no, that's it basically. I've got no points. Uh, I, did, I only got a chance to watch the episode the once, and uh, it's been a hectic weekend, so I've got no points. I'm going to edit all that bit out, by the way. <laughs> 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 Make yourself look smooth, why don't yeah. you? Make yourself look smooth. <laughs>